Welcome to Suspending the Rules, Bloomberg Government's weekly look at what's happening in Congress. Lawmakers returned to Washington this week with the impeachment inquiry into President Donald Trump continuing to loom over Congress and the rest of the government. Welcome to Suspending the Rules from Bloomberg Government. I'm Adam Taylor. And I'm Sarah Babbage. This week, the House is planning to wade into foreign policy with votes scheduled on two bills to address the ongoing protests in Hong Kong, where more than 2,000 demonstrators have been arrested in the past few months. Here to discuss are Bloomberg Government Legislative Analyst Noreen Chowdhury. Hi. And Bloomberg News Congressional Reporter Dan Flatley. Hi. Welcome to the show. Thank you. To start off, Dan, could you give us some background on the protests that have been drawing the world's attention? Sure. So uh, they started earlier this year when um, Hong Kong's administrator, Carrie Lam, introduced an extradition bill which would uh, bring uh, people convicted of crimes uh, or charged with crimes in uh, Hong Kong to mainland China. And that sort of kicked off um, a series of, of protests which have captured the world's attention over the last several months. And they have especially captured the attention of uh, lawmakers in Congress who sort of see um, a nascent uh, democratic movement and, and they want to sort of support that. So uh, there have been congressional delegations to Hong Kong. Um, Senators Cruz and, and Josh Hawley um, recently went there. And of course, there's some legislation that uh, will be taken up in the House and possibly the Senate uh, this week, um, which would uh, change or it would change the way that um, Congress is, is sort of thinking about Hong Kong uh, moving forward. I think something it's important to understand uh, going forward in this conversation, too, is that Hong Kong is part of China, but also separate from China. Um, can you guys talk about that background at all? Sure. So um, this all kind of dates back to 1992, when one government, two systems uh, set up where uh, Hong Kong operates under a different set of rules in terms of trading with the United States. Uh, than mainland China. And, and that is important for a number of, of reasons, not the least of which is it sort of allows America to access Chinese markets through this intermediary. And so it's very important and, and garnered a lot of attention for that sort of distinction. So to add to what um, Dan just said, uh, protests are also broadly tied to the fact that Hong Kong citizens perceive their democratic rights um, are being undermined. Um, groups supporting the protests that demonstrations would continue until Hong Kong's government implements fully democratic elections of its chief executive and legislative council. Um, back in 2014, similar protests took place um, when Beijing issued a decision stating that Hong Kong citizens could vote for their leaders, but only after candidates were approved by a committee effectively controlled by the Chinese government. The House is scheduled to consider a couple of bills focused on the situation in Hong Kong, as you mentioned, Dan. Uh, Noreen, can you tell us a little more about those? Right. So the Hong Kong Human Rights and Democracy Act, which was introduced by Rep. Chris Smith, would amend a 1992 law under which the U.S. treats Hong Kong as separate from China for trade purposes as long as it remains sufficiently autonomous in its legal and economic affairs. So, for example, in some cases, items that don't require a license for exports to Hong Kong may require one to China. 
First, the bill wouldn't be revoking the uh, special trade status, but what it would do is require the State Department to annually certify whether Hong Kong remains sufficiently independent to justify treatment under U.S. laws and agreements. Second, it would require the president to sanction those responsible for the extradition, detention, or torture of any individual in Hong Kong or other human rights violations. Third, the bill also would require the State Department to submit a strategy to protect U.S. interests if they're threatened by any legislation proposed or enacted by Hong Kong's government. Finally, the measure would also express Congress's sense that visa applications from qualified Hong Kong applicants wouldn't be denied because of their arrest or detention resulting from participation in protests. And what about the other bill? So the Pro Protect Hong Kong Act, um, introduced by Jim McGovern, would bar U.S. commercial exports of non-lethal crowd control equipment, such as rubber bullets, tear gas, and batons, and other munitions and defense services to the Hong Kong police. Um, the bill is largely a response to credible evidence um, provided by journalists and Hong Kong citizens that show that Hong Kong police have used crowd control equipment um, explicitly in a way that violates manufacturer guidelines and international rules. And in some cases, the crowd control equipment was U.S. made. And what's the outlook for those bills? Do you think they're going to pass the House this week? Well, um, the Hong Kong Human Rights um, and Democracy Act has bipartisan support and is likely to pass the House. Um, the Senate Foreign Relations Committee approved the companion measure. Um, but timing of a vote on there remains uncertain. Uh, there's also bipartisan support for the Pro Protect Hong Kong Act, and House Speaker Nancy Pelosi has urged the administration to bar crowd control um, exports. There is a provision in the Senate um, companion measure that includes, includes a sense of Congress that the Commerce Department should um, evaluate export controls to prevent sales of crowd control and surveillance equipment to Hong Kong. Both these bills are scheduled under the procedure that this podcast is named for, which is reserved for bills that are uh, have wide support. It requires a two-thirds majority, and they don't generally get scheduled unless they're, they're going to pass. And that's suspension of the rules, of course. Dan, what's the reaction been to these bills in China and in Hong Kong? Yes, so I think that uh, the, the reaction has been um, that the phrase is strong, uh, strong indignation and firm opposition from, from the Chinese foreign minister. Um, so they're safe to say that both... Uh, the Chinese government and the Hong Kong government are, are no fan of, of this. They see it as an incursion into sort of their um, sovereign territory, um, meddling in, in, in state affairs. As Noreen pointed out, it's, it is important to recognize that this doesn't immediately revoke the trading special trading status or anything of that nature. In fact, it doesn't even, you know, necessitate that at all. It, it basically just requires an annual review. And the intent, as I've talked to um, people on the Hill, is to basically move this from the back burner to the front burner, to get Congress thinking about this on a regular basis, and so that this is not just something that is sort of done pro forma every year, but is something that, you know, they're going to think about regularly. So it's, 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 there's no immediate action that will be taken. It's just to, to sort of formalize the review process, although it does provide uh, and, and they will, you know, people on the Hill will say that it gives the administration some, some additional tools if they choose to use them. But ultimately, it would be up to the president to, to decide to do that. But that being said, um, the Chinese government and the, and the Hong Kong government do not like this, uh, this legislation, and they, they feel that uh, the U.S. is meddling in their affairs and that by encouraging these protests, they are sort of um, fomenting dissent in, in a way that, that um, is not proper for a foreign government. 
So how do you think that this could affect uh, U.S.-China relations going forward, especially now that we're kind of seeing a trade deal come to fruition with the um, phase one of the trade deal between the U.S. and China announced on Friday? Do you think that um, passage in the House could poison the well or, you know, like if it moves to the Senate as well and passes there? I think that there was some um, talk uh, early on about this being leverage in the trade war uh, in one form or another. But um, in talking to people on the Hill, it, it sounds like uh, they view the Hong Kong issue as a totally separate uh, issue from the, from the trade war. So at least as far as Congress is concerned, they view the, the, the issues um, separately. So they don't think that the passage of this act would would poison the well, so to speak, for, for an additional um, trade agreements. But, um, you know, that's just one side of, of the argument and, it, you know, it sort of remains to be seen whether this is um, passed, whether what the, what the ultimate Chinese reaction could be. And it seems like President Trump has been a bit um, unclear on whether he, he would support this legislation or not, right? He's kind of said he supports yeah, supports the, the protest, but yeah, Trump has like voiced support for the right of Hong Kong citizens to protest, but his advisors haven't been clear as to whether um, the administration would back the Hong Kong Human Rights and Democracy Act. It seems like he's generally deferred to China on the situation in Hong Kong. Just to pick up on what Noreen was just saying, um, when there was a hearing uh, in the Senate Foreign Relations Committee not too long ago, there was an administration official who sort of said, "I need to take a closer look at this." Um, so. You know, they haven't dismissed it outright, but mm. there's no sort of overly enthusiastic reception from the administration on this. Well, thank you both. Dan Flatley reports on Congress for Bloomberg News, and Noreen Chowdhury is a legislative analyst with Bloomberg Government. Thanks again. That's all for the show this week. We'll talk to you again next time. Thank you for listening to Suspending the Rules. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Find more on the subjects we discussed today and a whole lot more from Bloomberg Government at about.bgov.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at BGov. The legislative analyst team is Sarah Babbage, Noreen Chowdhury, Danielle Parnas, Michael Smallberg, and me, Adam Taylor. Our editor is Adam Shank. Nico Anzalata is our sound engineer. Our theme music is Home Organ by Zach Nasita. More information on that can be found at premiumbeat.com. Hey, I'm Adam Allington. I'm the host of a new show from Bloomberg Environment called The Business of Bees. Here's what you need to know about it. We travel around the country talking to people at every corner of the honeybee ecosystem. This is the largest managed pollination event on Earth. In fact, commercial beekeeping is more important to farming than ever before. But bees are also under threat from pesticides and invasive pests and mysterious diseases. It's sort of like Christmas when you go to the hive in December and you open the lid. You just hope somebody's home. If you're interested in bees too, I think you might like the show. Look for us wherever you get your podcasts.